that that's still in me today for sure you know that kind of catholic guilt conform 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 so that the world doesn't point you out was something really really hard and and definitely something that influenced my fear and, and my anxieties uh to come out right to mm-hmm. come out as gay that that was a uh, definitely a huge part and still impacts me to this day and through all of that turmoil did you ever think of ending your own life oh yeah there's definitely a suicidal thought from mm. from a young age and as as a young kid knowing you know that was gay i kind of was just like i hope i die before you know i'm 20 for example like i i don't want to i don't want to deal with this i don't want to have to go through the pain of being rejected by my family or my friends and and i i really there were times where i just was like yeah i hope i i die hello family welcome to the fearful action podcast where we believe that action equals freedom We strive to inspire you to take consistent, fearful action because that's the best way to build confidence and fight fear. Everything worthwhile in life is just outside of fearful actions. I'm your host, Giuliano Paula. I absolutely love this man. He's been my best friend since I was 15 years old. When we were teenagers, he was a manager at McDonald's and he kept me alive when I was barely making any money as a janitor by stealing bags of food for me every couple of nights, allegedly. Is there a statute of limitations on stealing cheeseburgers? I hope there is. Anyway, so he showed me as an introvert that there was a life outside of video games and weed at my house and took me to a club for my first party. He was my safety blanket whenever I was afraid of being uncomfortable in social situations, which for me was every social situation. So he's always been there for me when I was at my lowest and I didn't even deserve his friendship. He's as loyal as a friend can get. I've learned a lot of life-changing skills from this man, like the ratio of water to liquor to stay hydrated enough and to avoid hangovers, the right amount and perfect environment to take my very first hit of ecstasy. He introduced me to house music. He taught me how to gracefully exit uncomfortable conversations at parties, how to break the ice and direct a group conversation into playfulness instead of a boring conversation about the weather or what somebody's kid did that day. Here's a direct quote from Lino. Nobody gives a shit about your kids. He's the king of inappropriate jokes. Please welcome to the show, Lino. Lino, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Jules. Uh, that's a fantastic, albeit a uh, uh, little crazy sounding version of me, but I'll let your listeners decide. Yeah, I appreciate you uh, being on the show. You know, we've known each other for for a long time, so hopefully I'm able to have easy conversations and won't have to look down at my questions <laughs> as much. Yeah, so one of the, you know, things that I've learned about you is, uh, you know, handling myself in in social situations, right? So you're definitely more, a lot more uh, social and extroverted than I am. And so you've helped me come out of my shell since, uh, since we were young. And, uh, you know, I, um, I felt like I had it all figured out, you know, but uh, I'm still working on a lot of things, right? It seems like you kind of have that together. Like, what uh, do you kind of have that that I'm missing because you seem to be a lot more comfortable when you're out and about meeting new people. 
I mean, I can definitely get anxious like anyone else. Um, I think the trick for me, which I, I tried to, to tell myself a long time ago, was to try to make things as informal as possible. Um, I have, you know, growing up in, in an immigrant family, you're, you're pushed to always be very, like, well-behaved and uh, all these, like, formal processes. And that's what would give me anxiety is that, that expectation or that fear of judgment if I'm not following certain rules. Um, mm -hmm. right. So I think that pushed me to go the other way and try to, like, really just, you know, break down the situation into something completely unconventional and put things more onto my terms. Right. And I realized that a lot of people really do appreciate that because most people are feeling a little anxious and uncomfortable. And, you know, you, you throw a, 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 an appropriate joke or, <laughs> or say something that's completely out of context for the conversation. And right. it, it just, it kind of shocks people which can either go one of two ways where it's like a relief. Oh, it's, this guy's crazy. So I can be crazy or, mm -hmm. you know, Oh my God, what did he just say? And even that it, it, it changes the, the conversation. And for me, if I feel like the expectation changes that there's now no expectation, which puts me at ease. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's interesting that that's the, the direction that, that you took because I, have a similar experience and that's I guess part of where the anxiety comes from is wondering you know if you're following along and and the rules and being formal and so then I just I follow suit so then I just kind of you know take a lot of time to kind of soak in the environment and see what people are all about even before I you know have my first input and you just smash right through the door, kick it wide open and, and throw something that still after so many years amazes me that I'm like, well, I can't believe you just said that we're at a fucking funeral for God's sake. Um, it's an interesting strategy because I've seen it at work, right? And I've been trapped in these very boring conversations that I don't want to be a part of. And I, I get stuck. I don't know what to say to get out of it or to even change the subject. So I think it's, it's an important uh, strategy to, to have and a skill to have uh, because of the fact that you can have a lot of influence on, you know, people's entire nights, right? So it's not about, Hey, look at me, I'm awesome. And I'm the, the entertainment you didn't pay for. It's not just that it's the fact that it's like you say what a lot of people are thinking sometimes. Right. And, and that kind of takes, uh, takes some balls. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think humor too is, is something that's universal. Um, and when it's like a, you know, a smart joke or, or a different take on something, people appreciate that. And we're all kind of going through the same motions, right? I, you know, unless you're a complete psychopath, you're gonna feel a little anxious meeting someone new. You're gonna feel a little weird if you don't know anyone uh, you know, at a bar or something like that. So there's definitely a, the moments of fear that, that I have to talk myself into. And I'm not always successful for sure. There's been many times where I'm, where, you know, I just stay introverted and I, I don't push myself and kind of regret it later on, but it just depends on kind of your mood, how you're feeling, your confidence level, um, and, and the reading of the room. So there's a lot of factors. 
Okay, so sounds like you you have your your own strategies there for kind of dealing with some of the anxieties during, you know, social interactions. I have some too when I if I'm going to a party, I don't know a lot of people. Even the timing, right? I never like to show up too late because walking into a room with, you know, 20, 30 people, let's say it's a house party, and I don't know anybody there. Just that initial, like, I'm in the door. Now there's people everywhere. Who do I talk to first? I usually gravitate to the closest person to the door. Where's the host? Like, that whole experience to me is always not fun. So a strategy that I use is I end up going, usually, I would say, you know, if the party starts at 9, I don't want to show up at 9 because, that you know, the, the host could be still prepping or whatever and then you're just that nerd that's there like at 859 you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um but the fact that i actually think about these things tells you that i'm just not oh there's a party i'm all excited no there's gonna be some planning to do i have to take the afternoon off to recharge the batteries and so going in at a specific time is something that helps me because as the room gets fuller i get to i, I get more and more to that point where i know most of the people so I let's say if the party starts at nine, I probably won't be there like after like let's say ten. I, I, you like to be fashionably late, <laughs> but I think sometimes uh, that that causes me more anxieties, right? And so strategies of showing up at a certain time at a party, all of these things, they're just strategies. But the reality is, whatever is deep within that, that's what needs to 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 be worked on, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it definitely, you know, like I said, growing up in, in an immigrant family, um, how, you know, the, the reinforcement from my parents was definitely, you know, what are people going to think? Like that, that to them was everything. Um, so that's why they were so big on, you know, make sure you're behaved and you act a certain way. Uh, and also you see, you see how people judge, right? Whether it's relatives or your own parents. Um and when you see that constant judgment coming from the people around you, you're like, okay, so everyone's judging. So that, mm-hmm. that does kind of heighten that fear of, you know, okay, I got to I gotta act a certain way to, to be able to control that judgment or like, you know, show a certain, a certain aspect of myself that, that's acceptable, that's socially acceptable. So, you know, the, the, that, that's still in me today for sure you know, the, the kind of Catholic guilt and that like conform, 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 um, so that the world doesn't point you out, um, was, was something really, really hard and, and definitely something that, that influenced my fear and and my anxieties, uh, to come out, right. Mm -hmm. To come out as gay. Right. So, that that was a uh, definitely a huge part and still impacts me to this day. Yeah, no, I can I can see that um, because growing up in in a similar household where there was a lot of fear of what people are going to say and think, and then at the same time there was judgment of oh, look what so and so is doing and cousin whatever look what they're up to, and so you're around this environment that you know conditions you to feel that the whole world is watching your every move. And the second you fuck up, somebody's going to point it out. So then it makes you afraid of taking chances, right? Of taking risks, saying the wrong thing, doing something that's going to be perceived as stupid or, you know, whatever. 
Um, and so I think that's, uh, you know, part of the, the, the challenge today is, is getting over that, right, and sort of rewriting some of that programming that, that we had uh, when we were kids, right? So now, you know, you brought up uh, coming out, you know, I'm sure that uh, is probably one of the biggest things uh, in your life that, that's had effects on you, right? So then even before that, uh, you know, knowing that you're, you know, different, we can say, uh, than, than the other kids. Like, how, how, how old were you when you first started having thoughts that you eventually were feeling like, maybe I'm different? You know, when did you first know you were gay? Uh, I, I couldn't pinpoint an exact age, but I was very young. Like, I, I was definitely a, a young child. Um, and also, I knew what that meant, right? Like, growing up in, in a Catholic home, Again, that was very focused on what what will people think uh, in an immigrant community that is not tolerant of of gay people at all, especially at that time. Um, it it impacted me a lot because in one respect, here is your family and your you know close friends uh, again being like conform, conform, conform. Uh, you know, different is bad, and at the same time, knowing I was different. Um, the, I guess the one of the good parts uh, was that I didn't struggle with thinking like it, it. The religion didn't bother me in the sense that I didn't feel like I was going to go to hell or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't rationally think, oh, I could change. Uh, so there wasn't this conf- uh, this conflict that I know a lot of people that have grown up in religious households. Um, have that confliction of, of, oh, maybe I can change through religion or, or you know, uh, it, it's, it's not definite. I, I kind of knew it was definite as I was growing up. Um, and that presented its own challenges with the fact of like, okay, what do I do? Because mm-hmm. there's, nothing I, there's nothing I can do. Um, so it was about keeping that secret. And mm-hmm. that, that, you know, kind of suffocating under that secret uh, with everyone around you, uh, or, or at least thinking everyone around you wouldn't accept you. Right. And, and that was the hardest part, for sure. And to this day, there's always that element of like, people judging me on that one aspect that I have mm-hmm. no control over, right? Mm-hmm. It's just right. intrinsic. So and and did you, you know, when you mentioned not having to or knowing that it's something that you couldn't change, so you didn't have that battle, which is great. Um, but you also knew that you you couldn't change it. You weren't trying to change it, but also you knew that it wasn't accepted by most. So then you had to keep that secret. And did you find yourself maybe changing some behaviors or language or subjects you talk about do you remember being young and say thinking to yourself like i have to be different act different because of the fact that i'm gay and i don't want anybody to know uh yeah uh, definitely um i was more aware of like any mannerisms or anything that i thought was more feminine Mm -hmm. um right because that was the big thing is like oh if you're a gay a gay man or a gay boy you're feminine. And so I, I was really aware of that. 
uh, I was very conscious of like when people were making jokes around me that, you know, I, I participated in those jokes. I didn't want to be uh, an outsider. I didn't want any um, opportunity for someone to point at me. So right. that was also, um, you know, I guess where I got kind of the quick humor was, was a deflection, right? To, to avoid, even though I'm the center of attention, I'm controlling that attention. Um, right. So, yeah, it, it, it definitely it impacted, like, every social interaction because you don't know or at that time i just thought for sure my parents you know would disown me and that mm -hmm. my friends wouldn't accept me and so there was just this dread of like what am i going to do in the future cuz as a kid it's it's fine right like i i would just go out with girls and i had girlfriends and kind of mm -hmm. keep up that that pretense uh but you're still really young so there isn't um you know, you're kind of just gaining new experiences. I, you know, it didn't feel like I have to come out right now, even though I knew that that was my truth. Mm -hmm. um, it was more the foreboding of like, I can't keep this up forever. So right. like, what am I going to do in the future? I'm wow. feeling very alone at that, at mm. that prospect. Yeah, because you... You came out in your 20s, right? So all of that life beforehand, there was nobody you can talk to, right? Was there, was there anybody that you felt that maybe even without you saying it, you just kind of felt maybe they understood you? Probably in my early or mid-teens, uh, once my, you know, my first job was at McDonald's. And thank I'm, God for that. <laughs> uh, I met a great group of, of, um, of girls that were, you know, into the alternative slash goth scene and, um, you know, very fluid with sexuality. And there was, you know, lesbians and, and bi. Um, and then I went out with them and we went to like these goth clubs, which were amazing, like so welcoming. Uh, even though I was not in goth at all, just like jeans and a t-shirt, it never felt strange. It was just very welcoming places. And, um, and that was a hard part too, is cause I, I, I knew that they would accept, uh, but in my mind, I, I, I'd set the fact that I'm like, if I'm not ready to tell the world, then I'm not ready to come out because, you know, as soon as you say it out loud, it becomes real and, mm -hmm. and there will be consequences. So I didn't actually say the words, I am gay, until I was 22 and came out for the first time to you and our friend Diego. That's, that was the first time I actually said those words, which mm -hmm. I thought I was having a heart attack. So I think that was <laughs> the closest I ever came to a full-blown panic attack. I'd never right, felt anything right. like that. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get into that in a second because I remember you changing colors and I'm like, yeah. what is happening? I'm like, he's going to tell me he murdered somebody. I was game. I'm like, we're going to have to hide a body because this motherfucker, something's up. But we'll get into that in a second. But I'm now going back to, uh, you know, you are hanging out with a, this group that you're working with and now you're going to parties and you're like, wow, this, you know, everyone here is different. 
than the outside world, right? Because they were sort of like outcasts on their own and were more accepting and you felt like, wow, this feels very safe. But even in that environment, you felt like you couldn't fully be yourself. Like bring me back to that place and how did that feel like to, I guess you can be yourself, but not fully yourself, but more freedom than you had, let's say in, in the outside world. How, how was that for you managing all of these different environments and being different people almost? Uh, in some ways it was even harder because in some ways I, I felt like, you know, I, I was living this lie, but now I'm living this lie with people who are expressing their truth in like the purest way. And I, you know, hated lying to my friends and hated having to pretend you know, that yeah, I'm checking out this girl and yeah, she's really pretty and kind of going through the motions of just so that to keep the pretense. And for example, they, you know, they were going to Pride, you know, since they were like 14 and they would ask me every year, like, let's go to Pride. And I'd always say no. And that, that they found really strange because I would go with them wherever. And, um, and it was just because I couldn't face being that much of a hypocrite, like where everybody's, you know, out and, and, and being, you know, themselves and I'm still pretending. So, right. you know, and, and I was navigating multiple social circles cause I had that, I, I had, you know, my, my basketball friends, so like the athletic people at the sports people at school and, you know, all these different, like you guys, um, or friends playing video games. So I had all these different kind of worlds I fit into. And mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere uh, mm -hmm. because of that. And to just show like how deep the fear went of, of people finding out. And I guess that's, you know, once they find out I would be rejected. Mm -hmm. Um, as I remember, I, I was probably like 11 or so, or maybe 12 and my bedroom was right by, so on the, the top floor, my sister, my older sister, she's seven years older. Her bedroom was on one side of the hallway. Mine was at the other end by the washroom. Mm -hmm. And, and one night she, you know, went over to use the washroom as normal. My door was usually open. And the next morning, she's like, I had a full conversation with you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, yeah, I went to the washroom and I, I thought you were awake because I heard you saying stuff. And Whoa. I Whoa. started, yeah, I started talking to you and like full conversation, like for five minutes, I thought we were actually having a conversation, which <laughs> made me laugh to no end. So you're, so you're sleep talking. I was sleep talking. Damn, you must have been like, oh, shit, what I say, what I say. So you're soaking in the, the, the information, right? You're like, tell me more before I interject and make up some lies. Absolutely. I went to full interrogation mode. I was like, so what were you saying? But the way she was saying, because as soon as I, I saw her demeanor and what she was saying, like the playfulness, I'm like, hey, I know I didn't say anything upsetting to her or else this would be a different oh, situation but the fear it put in me so much anxiety that from that day on even in my dreams where like you know in your dreams you're talking whatever and you're like oh this, this guy's really cute whatever 
in my dreams, I was, I would not say the words like wow. that guy's cute or anything. Like it would became so ingrained that someone is going to find out that to, from that moment on, I became even super repressed to that point where I, I wouldn't say it in dreams. Which, wow. That's fucking yeah, intense. That's fucking intense, intense, dude. So you're, so you're being, you're being tortured by the world that, that doesn't accept you because, you know, this world is fucked up and, you know, feel that everyone has to be cookie cutter exactly the same way and being gay is not okay, which is super fucked. Now you're also being tortured during your dreams. You can't even be yourself in your dreams. Like, what the fuck, man? Uh-huh. That sucks. Crazy, oh, man. Yeah. I yeah, can imagine no, the fucking anxieties. It it just it was definitely overwhelming. That's why it took so long. Well, I know a lot of kids are coming out, you know, eleven, twelve years old now, which is amazing. Um, but I, you know, coming out at twenty-two, I was very much like a a rational planner. I just I put it in my mind. Okay, like I'm gonna be disowned by my family, so I don't want to be a statistic living, you know on the street like a lot of homeless gay youth are so my whole thing was like okay i'm gonna finish school i'm gonna get a job and then go out on my own and that way at least you know if if everyone leaves me i can try to make a life for myself like that's mm-hmm. kind of how i i i did it myself but yeah there was a lot of moments with close friends um where we would just be hanging out with you, for example, there'd be tons of times we were hanging out and, you know, you would just switch in my head. I would just switch and be like, just kind of get that depression of like, Mm -hmm. I want to tell them, I want to, you know, end this. I want to kind of just finally say it. Uh, And then I don't know if you've ever, like, I'm sure you did because you're, you're pretty observant, but there would be times like my mood would switch. So we would be out, for example, and, and, you know, partying or hanging out with other people. And then there would just be a moment I'm like, I'm going home. And that's how it was. Right. So, right. And, and so now, you know, you end up coming out at 22 and leading up to that, I'm sure there were tons of, you know, what we can call false uh, false starts, right? Where you're like, okay, I'm putting on my shoes. I'm going to go see so-and-so and I'm going to tell them. And then you're like, nah, let me, let me, <laughs> let me regroup. Right. So when was the first time that you thought that you're like, today's the day, like how old were you when you said today I'm doing it. And then eventually you, you just ended up not. Um, it was that summer. So I had just finished university, graduated from university, uh, which was so awkward through university too because there were a lot of times where you know women were pretty much like fully hitting on me you know your friends are around all that and so I did become the king of (laughs) disappearing or escapes and then you know I'd come up with excuses later on but Mm -hmm. um, not to say I didn't have fun in university I did I met great people but that aspect really kind of stifled what it could have been and mm-hmm. uh and so when I graduated that summer uh I'd made plans with with uh close friends these two guys that uh 
to grab an apartment together, you know, move out of my parents' place. And even before that, you know, I had thought about just leaving, like going somewhere else, like British Columbia or somewhere where no one knew me. Uh, and I had toyed with that idea for a long time, just, you know, running away, essentially, you know, that right. everyone here is going to reject me. So let's just run away and start fresh. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad I didn't do that because I think that would have ended up terribly, like I would have been truly alone. Um, but I know that's something that a lot of people think about because it just assume that it's easier to deal with by not, you know, by running away. Mm-hmm. So. So I didn't do that, but, uh, you know, now I was at a point where I'm like, okay, so I, you know, have a, a, a good job, graduated, and now my friends are like, we're living, let's live together, let's get an apartment together. And that summer, I was like, yeah, yeah, that's great, that's great. And at the beginning of the summer, I got really depressed because I thought, like, I gotta, I gotta tell them, because if, if they're not going to accept me, like, what am I going to keep on pretending for how many more years? Like, now... Uh, you know, I'm an adult, I'm independent, there's no right. reason not to. And if they're not accepting, I definitely don't want to live with them. Um, right. So that's when, you know, I, I, we, we had, I remember we, I, I think we went camping with a couple other people and it was a great trip. And as soon as I got back, I, I, I was really depressed, really depressed because I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And it just got to the point where I thought, you know, okay, now's, now's the time. I'm going to start with my close friends, but I'm just going to tell everyone. Like, I'm just going to go through, through it all because I, I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm just mm-hmm. rip it off like a Band-Aid. But it was a really painful Band-Aid, that's for sure. Sure, sure. And, and, and I'm sure leading up to that, there's so many feelings before making the decision, right, of like feeling trapped, like you like, you know, I'm not going to be accepted by my family, my friends, people at my school, pretty much you're going through a list of people, who do you think would accept you or not. And then eventually you start to think, maybe most people aren't going to accept like what, you know, I can't imagine what goes through your head. So you're you are feeling trapped where you're like, I'm just going to abandon everything. And, and that thought um, is kind of scary, right. And then I'm sure thinking, okay, I'm going to move to you know, a different city or a different country. And then I'm sure you're running scenarios of what if they don't accept me, right? How is life going to be like? And through all of that turmoil, did you ever think of ending your own life? Oh, yeah, there's definitely uh, suicidal thoughts uh, from mm. from a young age. And, um, you know, I, I as as a young kid, knowing, you know, that was gay I kind of was just like I hope I die before you know I'm 20 for example like I I don't want to I don't want to deal with this I don't want to have to go through the pain of being rejected by my family or my friends and and I I really there were times where I just was like yeah I hope I I die weirdly enough though I just I, I'm like, no, it's not going to happen. I just was sure. I'm like, no, I, I know I'm going to have to go through this um, and and make it happen. And I, I wasn't so worried with a lot of my girlfriends. I, I just, I felt like they would be more accepting. Mm-hmm. I was definitely more worried about my guy friends um, because I just felt like even if they did accept me, I felt it was going to really change the relationship. 
and that really hurt too you know because change in what way i just felt like they would treat me differently like you know like i wouldn't be one of the guys anymore i just there would be this wall that you know that are they going to think that i like them now because we're together is it going to be weirdness or awkwardness Mm -hmm. because usually we're just so comfortable and that was really painful to me too because i'm like okay so even if they accept me like our friendship's never going to be the same and i really did think that i was like you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna feel or they're not gonna feel as close to me or there's gonna be this awkwardness right that 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 was also another fear Mm -hmm. and and so now you came out at 22 to me and to another friend uh diego who is on episode five if anybody wants to listen to him i think i just put it up today i think it's called real men do cry i don't know if you saw that lino but uh (laughs) it's it's that's the name of his episode uh so if anybody wants to check that out um so bring me back to that day right so for me that day it was just like Hey, let's hang out at the park. There's a park in the city that we used to spend a lot of time in. And and I felt like it was just like any other night. I don't remember it being like, hey, we need to talk. It wasn't like it wasn't set up like in something big is coming. But I'm sure for you, it was like leading up to that, maybe even weeks or months. Bring me back to that point. How was that time period for you? And, and, and give me a uh, share how how it was from your eyes because I know what I felt and and heard and what I think I heard and we'll talk about that in in a minute. But how was it for you? Yeah, that it. I struggled for it was a, a few weeks. Uh, like I said, after that camping trip, and um, there were a couple times that we had gone to that park and and other places hanging out where I was going to say it. And chickened out. I I just couldn't. And that day, you know, I I that's why I didn't want to make a big statement. Like, there's something I need to tell you guys because then it was really gonna put the pressure on me. Um, sure. I wanted to be like, okay, we're yeah, we're just hanging, it's just a normal day. And it was I, I remember it was like a really nice summer day at at the park, and we had just gotten some coffees and we were hanging out, and you guys were talking back and forth, and I was just in my head like just do it just say it just do it just say it and getting like heart palpitations like like Mm -hmm. full-on like physical I've never been so afraid so anxious in my life um and several times where I was about to say the words and started to get choked up and then fake the cough or something to Mm. to like not be observed you know not be observed Mm-hmm. Uh, luckily, you guys were were having a pretty good conversation, so I don't think you noticed, or at least I didn't think you noticed. Um, and it probably took me a good five minutes of that heart attack to to finally say it, and 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 saying it was was the hardest thing. Like I basically had was choking up and trying to hold back the tears and shaking. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think I was even able to look at you guys. I think I was looking down. I couldn't. I couldn't mm-hmm. even like force myself to look at, at your faces. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and then and then saying the words, and then there was like a a moment of silence, 
and then I think it was Diego's like, oh, okay, like that, that's that's cool, that's okay, and and then I I start bawling, and I think that's mm. kind of what what made you think that it was serious because you even asked you're like what like you're like thinking you're joking right like i i got it like but then both of you saw my reaction and, and it kind of mm. took a twist from light-hearted humor to to seriousness right away mm-hmm. yeah i don't remember the first thing i said to that because it was you know so many years ago now maybe 15 years but um I do remember feeling at first that you were like joking, right? Because that's, that's something that we would maybe joke about. At. And uh, once I realized that it was serious, I don't remember exactly what I said, but um, I think I was supportive. Um, but I'm sure there was like also confusion, right? Because I'm like, I know I've known you for so long. You know what I mean? And what, I don't remember exactly what was said, but what was what was the feeling like you have years leading up to this moment and all of these thoughts of are they going to leave? Are they going to hate me? Am I going to have to move? You know, what's going to happen? And then you say it. What is that moment like? Uh, I think it's I well, I've never had a heart attack, but I would say it's like having a heart attack. <laughs> like there isn't this relief for sure. It okay. was more like a, a just a blurting out and and trying to really hold back the tears because it was like opening up a you know a, a fifteen year floodgate of repression and anxiety and fear. And and trying to hold it together as much as I can in a public park, um, mm, right? And 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 you guys were actually really good about it. Like you and and Diego, were, 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 there was a moment of shock and and I think silence and kind of confusion. Uh, definitely on your part, I could see it in your face. But um, but you're like, you know, you both were like, yeah, it's okay. We love you guys, you know. It's, and then that kind of broke me down a bit more and I think I was crying for a bit mm-hmm. and then um and then that's when like I was able to speak and, and we we had a bit of a conversation and I, I think what what helped me so much to bring down the seriousness of that moment was the question that you asked me which <laughs> to this day I will never forget <laughs> because it was so it, there was no maliciousness behind it. There, right, it, it right. was just the sweetest, like, out of ignorance <laughs> question ever. And right. it was so funny at the same time that it really helped me to, like, break down the fact that this wasn't as monumental as all these years I had made it feel. Or, what was know. the question? What was the question that I asked you? <laughs> the exact question was... Um, so, uh, does this mean that you're gonna start wearing women's clothes? (laughs) 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 Which made me laugh and I'm like, no, no, that's not what that means. Um, but I'm wondering how is it going to change? Like what's, you know, what's going to be different? Like how, how does this change like who you are? Right. I just, I had never had 
a, a gay friend or a gay person in my life before, right? There was nobody. So you're like the, everything was like a first experience. So I was very curious to know about you and, and when did you know, and how does this change things like moving forward? And to be honest, man, because of the fact that I believe that homophobia sometimes comes from not knowing, not being exposed to anybody who is gay, right? And of course, influence of your environment. Uh, but I think a lot of it comes from from ignorance and, and lack of um, exposure, right, to different types of people. Um, and uh, I remember during the conversation, I'm like, I want to support you. But then I'm starting to think in my own head, selfishly, how does this affect me, right? So I'm thinking one of the thoughts I had was like replaying like 10 years worth of friendship and thinking of like, hmm, did did Lino ever smack me in the ass after like I scored a basket or something? Like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, were we ever like naked in the shower after a game or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, those are all selfish thoughts where I'm like, okay, what does this, what does this mean about us? Like, is there any, anything that I need to like concern myself with? And then another very selfish thought, you know, is how is it going to be for me and my relationship with the outside world? knowing that I have a gay friend, right? So even before you were like, oh, it's okay to like tell people, I was already thinking like, man, and that's the thing, man, where some of the, the, the homophobia as well comes from our own fucking insecurities, right? If a dude is fully secure in himself, what, what he's all about, there is no worry, right? What are people gonna think? But I do overthink in other aspects. So here I was as well, like, oh shit, like, if people know that I'm friends with a gay guy, are they going to think that I'm gay too? You know what I mean? And that's obviously fucking selfish, but that comes from that overthinking and giving a shit what, what people think, right? And yeah. um, so how, how was it for you? Like, so that day, I remember we had the conversation and of course, two hours of gay jokes ensued because that's, I think, normal. Um, <laughs> and how was like the next day, like waking up, now knowing that okay i am now not a gay person in the closet but i'm now out like did you make the decision that okay now i must you know were you like an evangelical uh you know knocking on doors and telling everybody what was the the thought process of like who do you want to know and what were the next steps i think well the first step was a sense of relief um, that at least it was finally out there, or at least the beginning of that coming out process, um, because that was the biggest hurdle. Um, there was a bit of sense of fear, right? Like, how, what were you guys thinking? Exactly what you're saying is what I thought too. Like, our, you know, as men, we tend to to put that thing of of what it means to have relationships with other men, and now that. I've come out as gay, like, are, are they comfortable with it? Like, really comfortable. Because in the moment, of course, I, I, I felt the love and knew you guys supported. But when you have that night to think you know, and overthink, um, I, was, I was kind of like, where are they at? Mm -hmm. right? Like, now that they have time to, to digest a bit. 
And then there was also the fear of like, who have they told? Because even though I said, okay, you can tell people it, that one moment was so monumental that now I had to turn my mind to, I have to go and tell all my friends and tell my coworkers and have their friends know. And eventually my, my parents and my family. So it, it was just, it was the big step, but it was the first step in a, in a long and kind of difficult process. Mm -hmm. So, and, 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 and who, who surprised you the most? Like, I'm sure there was a person where you're like, oh, this this person's definitely not going to be my friend or they're definitely not going to hang out with me anymore. Um, or somebody that you thought was going to be cool with it. Give me both sides, like the, the, the good and the bad. Who surprised you in a good way and who surprised you in a bad way? In terms of who surprised me in a good way, eventually was my parents. You know, they're still not comfortable at all with it it's very much like a don't ask don't tell policy mm -hmm. although i refuse to give them that um but i i really did think that they were going to fully disown me so they and it was not easy coming out to them and and we fought and they definitely said some really harsh things to me mm -hmm. uh, and for a time um i really thought that that was it right like you know we're, we're moving on um like so the funny like almost like being disowned did it get that bad yeah yeah wow so you know they're they're definitely a different generation and um and they had their own fears of what people were gonna think and still think that right um and they're in a you know not the most progressive community so you know those fears are warranted but you know, they didn't disown me and, and we still have a relationship. I see them every week or so. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it's it's still not cool with them, obviously, but they're, the fact that we still have a relationship, I think that's a positive. And a negative, I would say, um, there were some incidents or instances uh with some of with some of the guy friends where there were moments where I felt the awkwardness or that tension. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's exactly what you were saying. And, and it kind of reinforced that fear of like, oh, great. Now I'm not one of the boys. I'm going to be treated differently. And I didn't want that. And, and so those first couple of experiences um, were hard. And I... I think, you know, looking back now, it was, it was a learning process for everybody. Like mm -hmm. you said, you know, you, you didn't really know any gay people, or at least that were out mm -hmm. at that time. Right. And you were brought up in, you know, a lot of homophobia as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that was something that you had to navigate before you could be like, no, this, this doesn't change anything. Like, right. We're still the same. Right. And, and so I, I'm sure, you know, the, I, I grew up in a small town in Brazil, and we're talking about, you know, Brazil in the 80s, right? So there was definitely homophobia, and it was out in the open, and you would see adults, even as kids, you would see adults having conversations, and it was, you know, saying homophobic things. So I'm sure during our friendship, there were things that I said 
that maybe made you think like, oh, shit, he's not going to accept me because this is how he thinks about gay people. Do you remember moments where I said something that you're like, oh, shit, I don't know if I can come out to him? Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, you were you were a lot more hardcore in those teenage years of like, this is how it is. Um, and to be honest, you know, I, I don't think I've ever said this to you, but like when, we, when I went to university, um, there were times where like I felt more distance from you and I thought that, you know, we were good friends, but that it was just going to eventually just go away um, because we were going to grow apart. And, and because of that, that? I, because of that, I thought that you were going to be very stuck in your ways and kind of, you know, stay in this small minded aspect of what the world is. Right. And, and that was a huge failure on my part. I, I discounted how much you could grow and how complex of a person you are. And, and to see how much you've changed in terms of your view of the world and, and accepting others um, and just better sense of self. That, that, was, that was an amazing transition for me to see. So initially, yeah, I thought, no, he's not going to accept me. And, you know, he's going to tell me to fuck off. He doesn't want to be, you know, a gay dude. Mm. And then I'd say in the probably early 20s, um, so that's when I was like, no, no, he, he's going to be okay. He's going to be weird. He's super <laughs> weird for a while. I rate you. I'm like, he's going to go back all these years where he slept over at his house and be like, was he hitting on me? Was he <laughs> of course I did. I, I did play. I played that whole, I played the whole tape back. It was tapes back then folks, whoever's listening. <laughs> I played the whole tape back in my mind thinking all of these like different scenarios and whatever. And um, you know, there was some uh, thought there of like, fuck man. And then when, when I did, you know, I sat there and watched the replay of 10 years worth of friendship. And, and to be honest, I was like very relieved that there were because, you know, at that time, you do think like, how does this affect affect the, uh, the, the friendship? Right. And I was glad that when I rewound the tape, that there was no moments where there was like doubt. You know what I'm saying? Even though I would it would have been something that I have to get over and deal with. But there was no moments like, hmm, I remember this one time he slept over and then I put on my pants pajama and he's like, why don't you put on these Speedos? <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there wasn't any of those moments where I felt like, okay, we're, we're just friends and there's no, you know, no connection there. There's no physical uh, attraction, right? And so that was a bit of a relief. But uh, later on, I must admit, it was uh, slightly disappointed, you know? <laughs> it was your lack of style with those pet pajamas. Can't do it. <laughs> How do you think that all of those years in the closet, feeling like you can't fully be yourself, right? And then you do come out. But even having all of that, you're basically programming your brain and telling yourself that who you really are is just not okay, it's unacceptable, and then you come out, it, there is no magic moment where your brain just switches and it's like, oh, cool, it's okay to be me. I'm sure it's had some lasting effects. Like, How do you think being in the closet for so long affected your life and still continues to this day? In many ways, I mean, for sure, the, the needing 
to be liked and to be accepted. That's always been there. So even though, you know, you said I'll, I'll make crazy jokes and, and try to push people's buttons, at, at the end of the day, I always want people to like me, right? Like I, 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 I definitely can conform my personality based on who I'm interacting with. So it's really great because it makes me get along really well with whoever in terms of whether introverted or, you know, into sports or, you know, bookworm, whatever. I can mm-hmm. connect. Right. Um, so I think in, in a way that's actually been positive, but in a negative way too, I, there have been moments where I felt like I've lost myself because I'm, I'm catering consciously or subconsciously to the person so that they'll like me. And then afterwards be like, you know, was I really myself or was I just, playing off that vibe so that I would be accepted. And there's still moments like that. I think for me, it's a lot harder um, when there's like big crowds, for example, like a public speaking event for work, Mm -hmm. because I can't read a whole crowd as I'm talking, as I'm giving a speech. So that creates anxiety because I can't adjust what I'm saying or, you know, Mm -hmm. the way I'm saying it to kind of work the crowd mm-hmm. uh, where it's easier with, you know, one-on-one or small groups. Um, right. So that, that kind of feeling of still being judged and, and not accepted, it's, it's definitely in, ingrained in me mm-hmm. and, and does come about in, in different ways in my life for sure. Sure. Okay. And, and I know that, you know, when it comes to friendships and just everyday life, right, that sort of, um, tactic, right? To be a chameleon and adjust when you need to, uh, it definitely affects you where you feel like, okay, this person likes me, but do they really like the real me or they like the me that I presented that night? Uh, so it'll affect you in different ways with different people. When you think about relationships, right? You're connecting to one person. If you're having these doubts, where you're not sure if, you know, it's the right time to be yourself or is this too much? You're definitely overthinking possibly being yourself, right? So it's going to create some distance. Maybe, you know, you're going to build some walls to protect yourself until you could bring these walls down, which are, are uh, you know, strategies and something you did growing up to figure out, you know, who's who to know, okay, can I be myself around this person? The thing is in 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 relationships, uh, if it takes us too long to let the walls down, we might never really get a connection. And then, you know, the relationship ends. Like, how do you think that, you know, also being in the closet and feeling like you couldn't be yourself? How does that affect you today when it comes to, you know, relationships and and basically finding um, a boyfriend, somebody that you're excited to be with? Um. Well, luckily for in terms of friendships, being you know born and raised in Toronto, I have a really solid, big group, uh, social group that know me and have known me for you know fifteen years plus. So I feel really comfortable with them. But uh, I I definitely think it's affected me finding a boyfriend um, because what will end up happening is I'll I'll cater to the fact that you know once they like me and then i'll think like i don't even know if i like them like it was more about them 
like you mean, like that acceptance. And I think at the same time, too, you know, there's definitely still internalized homophobia. So just being um, being in the you know the neighborhood on on Church Street, like just feeling more of that judgment of being watched or uh, not really feeling like I'm a part of the community still mm-hmm. uh, is hard. It sounds like there. The, the the tough part is just being fully yourself, right? And being okay with whatever the reaction to the real you is. Mm-hmm. Would you say? Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I, uh, I I can relate to a little bit of that when I was younger, just kind of feeling like, you know, I'm I'm not sure if the real me is good enough, right? So then there is a bit of, you know, posturing. Uh, you feel like an imposter at some points. I would never allow myself to fully feel for somebody. And if I started to, I would pull back. And so even when I'm getting to know uh, a woman and we're getting closer and somebody would ask me about it, I would never say, yeah, man, she's fucking great. And I can't wait to see her again. I would always downplay it. Right. And that's a form of, you know, protecting my feelings. And I know that over time, what allowed me to get closer is to be cool with myself. Right. And that's easier said than done. That's something that takes, takes a lot of time to, to kind of get to. And, you know, it's something I'm still working on. Yeah. And, and so, you know, having gone through what you've gone through and coming out at, at 22, right you definitely learned a lot from the expectations you had of people and what life became after the fact, right? So if, if somebody's listening to this right now and they haven't come out yet, they're gay and they're worried of how people are going to react, like what advice would you give to, to a person that's in that situation today? I would say to try to find or to to see which of your friends um, in whatever roundabout way you can is is more open and more progressive because doing it on your own, you know, is the worst part. Like just feeling alone. That was the that was the biggest thing. The coming out process never ends, right? Like I'll be at the gym and I'll be like, oh, check out that that girl and I'm like mm, wrong team guy sorry buddy <laughs> okay um, so that's and- good to know that's actually a question I was going to ask you like when was the last time that you pretended to be straight uh there's that there's not a, pre- a pretending but there's do in this moment do I want to come out again or do I just drop it because I want to keep on working out and not deal with this mm. um so right. th- that that continues throughout right and I, I think that's just how it is you know so so then it's not so it's not coming out but it's just like you don't want to it's not it's not really relevant right if somebody says oh you know check out that girl's ass you don't always have to be like i'm actually into dudes like it's not important you could just ignore it or you know what i mean but it depends how you feel like how do you usually handle do you find sometimes where you kind of go with the flow and then you feel bad about it. You're like, why did I just pretend 
to be into that girl. Does that still happen? Yeah, I think there's always that moment because it's it's like, uh, do I want to teach again? You know, <laughs> right? And so you know, if it's something very brief, where I'm like, I don't care, I'll be like, yeah, she's pretty, and I'll go, but like just deadpan, there's nothing <laughs> behind it. Yeah. And You're really like, yeah, she she's very hot, and I would love to wear those pants. They would look yeah, right on. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's objectively pretty, and I love her highlights. Looks yeah. great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and, and I think that, that comes with any, like, group that's, that has to deal with oppression, right? Like, mm -hmm. There's always these moments like, Ugh, do I teach? Or do I be like, go fucking search on the internet? Like, come on. Right. Um, so yeah, the, I think the coming out process never never fully ends, and and really it's it's a day by day like, what do you want to do in that moment situation? Mm -hmm. Right, right. And uh, is we're getting close to uh, to wrapping things up. So you know we have a a segment here on the show called the Fearful Action Challenge, and that's where I challenge my guests to do something that scares them, and uh, you know you can challenge me to do something as well um, so we can pick something that you're ready maybe something you've given some thought to that you've been avoiding and maybe procrastinating because of fear but you would like to do it's an opportunity to share it here and and we can talk about basically getting it done um, is there anything that you have in mind actually yeah i um i had signed up for speed dating years ago uh, with a friend and um, when the time came it got canceled because there I guess there just wasn't enough people um, for that group or for the slot and you're like and thank so, god yeah thank for sure god because it combines everything I hate which is like small talk you know random people and like a weird set of formula or rules so all of that is really cringy to me, but at the same time, I'm, I, I love trying new things and I, I want to be able to say that at least I tried it once, even if I don't like it, mm -hmm. um, to be like, yeah, I've, I've done it. Like, that's my thing. As long as I've done it once, then I'm cool with it. Okay. Um, I love that. It's great. That's, that's, that's a big one because it's not just, you know, uh, making a phone call or something that's quick. It's an event. So you're oh. basically challenging yourself to go to an event and you're coming. So get your buy shoes <laughs> on. <laughs> All right. I will join you. If it helps, I will, <laughs> I will go. Cool. So now what I know about, you know, facing fears is that, you know, if we're kind of left to our own uh, devices and there is no specific date or there is no measurable way to say I accomplished that thing I said I was going to do, you're less likely to do it, right? So when is the next event coming up that's a speed dating event that you can participate in? Are these like weekly, monthly, or when is the next one? They still email me. <laughs> I'm still it's been on the blast. It's been years. <laughs> um, and even though it's Toronto, I guess the gay community is not that big. Plus, you know, a lot of people just use apps now. Right. Um, so it usually takes a couple months for them, I guess, to gather enough of the people or enough people to, to participate. Uh, so I could see it either being sometime later 
this this winter, maybe February or March. And if okay. not, then the so summer. Let's let's make things simple then. Can you commit to the next email you get that says this is the date you're going to that? Okay. All right. But we okay. <laughs> no no caveat, no plan B. Whatever I, I know, the date I know who is, I'm talking to, so I guess I have to say okay. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. So um yeah, no, that's a good one. And then let me know uh when that is so I can uh you know, find some nice pants and uh, and a tight shirt to wear, and I'll go and keep you company. You know, maybe so I'll I, small talk too. I want you to do it in drag. That's my idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I I could see where the, it would be some some anxieties there because I think when you think about the meeting somebody new, everybody has anxieties early on, right? So you're a you just met the person. And there's so much going on in your brain of, you know, all these thoughts and anxieties are, are it's normal. And then it gets easier as the night goes on and you're like, oh, this person's cool. We have this in common, whatever. But in that case, it's like boom, 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 right? Speed date. What is it like five minutes each? Yeah. Wow. That's intense. Okay. Well, fuck. I'm, I'm excited that you're taking on, on that challenge because you know, you might meet somebody cool, which is awesome. And in the end of it, even if you're like, oh, I didn't really connect with anybody, no callbacks were scheduled or whatever, it doesn't matter. Just the fact that you did it, it could get you excited to do it again. Like so much more can happen, right? So much more can happen than just not doing it at all, right? Mm -hmm. Cool, man. So my, so the challenge that I will set for myself and this now I have to set a date. So it's related to the video, right? So YouTube, putting something up on YouTube is something that I'm afraid of because of judgment. Um, where that judgment becomes even higher for me is when it comes to anything like on a professional level, right? So I could put something on YouTube and nobody sees it because I don't have a channel. I don't have followers or anything. But on LinkedIn, there's a lot of connections and they're all people in my professional life. So there's a lot more fear associated with that, right? That imposter syndrome is huge. If I put something out, I have to sound professional. I have to look professional, right? And I care what, how people are going to react, all of that. So there's a lot of anxieties related to that. So I've never posted a video on LinkedIn of myself. So then that's, that's the fearful action challenge that I'm going to take is by January 18th, I will post a video on LinkedIn. I haven't thought of what I'm going to say or do, but no matter what it is, it's going to be like nerve wracking, right? Because it's something I've never done. I'm uh, afraid, but excited to get that one off the list because maybe that can play into my long-term goal of, you know, having a YouTube channel, who knows, right? But either way, when it's done, I could say, okay, it wasn't so bad. But leading up to it, I know the feelings I'm going to have, but I'm ready, ready to deal with it. So the last question that I have here, um, if you could send a message of hope that plays on everyone's phone in the entire world when they first wake up tomorrow morning, what would you say to them? I would say you're not alone. At, at, no matter how dark things get, no matter how much you think that you're unloved, or that people don't care, that that's not true. You, you're loved, you're special, and even though we're all unique, we are also very similar in, in our struggles, in our, 
and our pain and, and our need to be loved. And so um, knowing that you're not alone makes this journey much easier. Awesome. I love it, man. I love it. And that's, that's a big one, right? Because on this subject of feeling like you can't be yourself in the world, right? And worried whether or not you're going to be accepted, knowing that you're not alone and there are others with similar feelings than, than you and there are people that will accept you and, you know, reach out for for help if you need that, right? Try to connect with somebody that's close to you that you can open up to and, and be yourself until you're able to be yourself with the rest of the world, at least having one person. Uh, but either way, know that you're not alone. So I appreciate that, man. Thanks for for uh, joining me today. It was an uh, insightful conversation, right? Because we've been friends for a long time, but there were certain details of, of, of your life back then that we haven't talked about in a long time because you've just been gay Lino for a while, right? <laughs> but I, I sometimes forget about straight Lino <laughs> that I used to party with. <laughs> Rest in peace, straight Lino. <laughs> yeah. Hey there, thanks for listening. I'm giving away a 24-hour life coaching package to work with me for free. I would coach you twice per week for three months over the phone or Skype. So if you're struggling with anxiety, fear, or you're an overthinker, if you're struggling with addictions, whether you want to get your finances in order, you're looking to get into better shape physically, you know, whether you're looking to find work that you're passionate about or just overall feeling like you are playing small and not even close to reaching your full potential, I would love to work with you and help you. The first person to email me and tell me why you think you can benefit from my services and what your two biggest struggles are at the moment will win the coaching package. Just email me at fearfulaction at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show.